Welcome to the Midnight Podcast. The story we'll be reading today is called, When I was 13 years old, my friends and I solved mysteries. I used to be a real girl. By Trash Tia. I really hope you enjoy it, and a huge shout out to my patrons for helping make this episode possible. I really appreciate it. Let's get started. I was never called Marin. Marin was the name given to me by my creator. Long before I was put on my strings, I was nothing but an empty shell lying on a slab of metal under a stark white light. I began my second life with foggy thoughts and no real memory. I had no name, nothing to cling on to. Did I have family? Friends? I reached out for anything that would answer who I was, but that part of me no longer existed. What did exist, half cast in shadows, was my creator, a small figure looming over me, admiring her creation. I had no mouth to scream with. I still existed in pieces. Each part of me scattered across the metal slab like a conveyor belt. I envied my creator's ability to laugh while my body was detached from me. I hated that she could move while I was paralyzed, a shell without thought and memory. The little girl was rosy cheeks and blonde curls, a mask hiding her smile. I knew it was there. I could see it pinched between the folds, a triumphant grin while I struggled to move my limbs. I didn't have any. I didn't have limbs I could sense, limbs that were mine. Only limbs that were phantom, that weren't supposed to belong to me. I knew I had them at some point. I was brought into the concrete room whole and was hollowed out, body and mind. The little girl had two glass eyes pinched between her fingers. One was green, the other blue. Which one do you like? She asked. I like blue, but I think green would suit you more. I want your eyes to sparkle. Damn little brat, was my mind's response to her words. Though I wasn't sure of who this body used to belong to, whose words burned on my new lips, twisted into alphabet soup in my throat. My thoughts were hers to play with, and my body was hers to mold. My real eyes weren't pretty enough, according to the swimming figures in blue appearing and disappearing in my vision. They were like ghosts, bleeding in and out of reality, their voices low mumbles working under my creator's instructions. When she pointed to my head, they stabbed into my eyelid with a marker pen. I want her eyes wider. I was conscious enough to feel the cruel prick of their scalpel delving into my flesh. They took away my arms and stitched on new ones, marking and penciling what was to be ripped apart and stitched back together, this time with pretty legs and arms and a pretty face. When I screamed, or tried to, the masked figures ignored me, dragging their silver blades down my body, picking and choosing which parts of me they would keep, and which parts they would cut away. The eyes that I was born with were not beautiful enough. Like the rest of me, they had been marked to be scooped out, circled as flaws with bright red pen, the same shade of what seeps out of me, slithering red strings that entangle inside me and pool across cold metal as if replacing my blood. I knew my blood still existed. It was all around me, a sharp red halo gluing my not-body to the table. Consciousness existed in flashes. I blinked, and I had a new mouth, raw stitches still stinging when I parted perfected lips and cried out. My creator was still there, 
a blur of blonde curls hanging over me. Her eyes raked up and down my new body. Marin, she whispered in a hysterical giggle while I blinked my new eyes. They didn't feel any different. Was I beautiful now? Is that why my creator was smiling behind her mask? I'm going to call you Marion, and you're going to solve mysteries with the Middleview Four. I couldn't move to struggle or part my lips to protest. When she wrenched my head up, narrow fingers grabbing hold of my scalp, my body was limp like a doll, being forced to sit up while the rest of me, my arms and legs, were still strapped down. Through tunnel vision, I was aware I was inside a large concrete room, almost like a workshop. There were four separate metal slabs, including mine. In the corner of my eye, sharp red splattered across the walls and floor, severed body parts and dripping red. The room was full of doll pieces, heads and arms and legs, eyes filling plastic jars and bloody red strings hanging from monsters made of metal. But my creator didn't want me to see any of that. She didn't want me to feel fear yet. Though my mind was still mine, even if it had been wiped clean of any personality I had, she couldn't cut out fear completely. Because even with a new body, even with a transformed brain choked and filled with strings, I was still scared. When I tried to peer further into the shadow, my head was forcibly snapped to the left. No, Marin, you're not allowed to look over there, she chastised me. I want you to look over here. Again, she twisted my head the sound of my spine snapping in place. I followed her gaze. The middle of you four? The little girl squeaked. Marin, look, I've made you friends. Friends. Noah Presley, she said in a sing-song. He's the funny one. He's been your bestest friend since the first grade. He also gives you butterflies, but you don't like him until you're grown up. Illuminated in hellish scarlet light, a male torso was strapped to a metal table, straining against Velcro straps pinning him down. There was so much red, so much tangled string pouring from him. Unlike the others, he was conscious, lips cruelly stitched together. All I could hear was an agonizing moan begging for death. With a twist of her wrist, my creator jerked my head away from him. I blinked, something in my head shattering, coming apart. The second metal bed was filled with mismatched body parts. Eris Kane, she giggled. The smart one. Eris is the fourth and last member. I could see a headless torso bleeding red strings, almost like it was piecing the body back together, but this time in a whole new light, in his creator's favor. And May Lee, she's the pretty one, and she's the strongest. May proves herself to be the bestest. She's always saving Noah when he gets kidnapped. This time, I could move my own body, finding the last bed of metal. All I could see was a halo of red seeping around a motionless figure, pooling onto the floor. I blinked slowly, and my creator was in my face again. May is not finished yet, she said in a sigh, but when she is, she's going to be the prettiest doll in the whole wide world. Finally, she turned to me. Marin? My creator's shriek was muffled under her mask. She pulled it down in what was underneath. What she'd been hiding behind sent me retching back, control bleeding back into my grasp. My creator didn't have a mouth. The laugh that escaped her came from somewhere else, 
a deep, dark cavern where this little girl became something else entirely. She was half of a little girl, while the rest of her face was nothing, inky black oblivion staring back at me. Her mask snapped back into place, eyes narrowing. She grabbed me by my hair, her fingers curling into my scalp, wrenching my head back. You get to be the leader of the Middleview Four, and the prettiest and smartest of them all. My creator with no mouth leaned forward, whispering in my ear. Me. The little girl's words jolted me back to reality. That was new. I hadn't seen that before. The memory was sharp and new. A whole other part of me I didn't know or understand. Slamming into me like a wave of ice water, it was enough to pull me back, enough to bring back my senses. I could taste blood in my mouth and feel tough rope wrapped around my wrists. I didn't remember being captured by Delaney, but I was half aware of words creeping into my mind, clammy fingers pressing pressure to my temples. There was no sign of the others. The figments of my imagination bearing my best friend's faces were gone. Go deeper. The voice pierced through me, reality bleeding through. I was aware I was sitting on a chair, my head bowed, my arms pinned behind me. When my head fell limp, blood pouring from my nose, he forced me to look up, but I couldn't see anything. I was blind, plunging and tangled in memories being forcibly brought to the surface. I want you to explore every crevice, the voice ordered. Kill her if you have to. I have orders to locate the boy inside her memories. Alice in Tibet has him. Delaney pressed harder, and I resisted a shriek. How was I captured? The thought itself was painful, warm red seeping from my nose. The pressure on my brain was making it increasingly harder to think straight. My memories were tangled and wrong, like they had been intentionally placed out of order. I remembered being inside my mother's office, slumped on a beanbag the others standing around me. Maybe it was just my eyes, but my imaginary friends were blurring in and out of view. Eris leaned against the bookcase, his arms folded, while May perched on my mother's desk, flicking through paperwork. Noah was sitting cross-legged on the floor, tracing the sheepskin rug with his finger. I had to squint to see May's swinging legs, her pigtails shrouded in darkness. I was losing them. That was my first thought. The more I discovered about them, these footprints of them I had had created were slowly fading away. It was dark outside, and that nothingness, that creeping oblivion, was enveloping itself around them. Relax, Eris finally spoke up, lips curving into a smile. He caught my eye. We're not fading away, moron. You're not talking to us. I frowned. Talking to you? Yeah, he rolled his eyes. You need to actually talk to us, Marin. When you're lost in thought, we get lost too. I lifted my head, surprised when his face lit up in bright light once again, color seeping back into his hair. He was right. Ever since I brought up the question of who he was and why he remembered being 17 years old despite dying at 15, I had lost myself in my own mind. And just like my plunging thoughts, the middle view four were fading too. It was like I was carving him back into reality my mind picking and choosing which heiress I wanted. I chose what I had been holding on to, our summer before sophomore year, when his hair was a clumsy mess, he had to keep blowing out of his eyes. 
the summer I lost him. May nodded, her eyes glued to a blue file resting on her knee. She was wearing her usual shorts and t-shirt, her pigtails sitting loose on her shoulders. If you're not talking to us, we'll disappear. She shot me a smile, tucking a strand of hair behind her ear. Think of us like fairy tales, but hey, it's not like you can't imagine us back into existence. Fairy tales? Eris raised a brow, his gaze glued to the ceiling. We're not Santa Claus, May. He frowned, his expression twisting. Ha. Huh. There's a, a ceiling tile that's slightly out of place. May cocked her head. Meaning? Eris grabbed a chair and jumped on it, his arms windmilling. I don't know yet. Uh, May, can you hold my legs? The girl slid off the table, shooting him a disapproving look. You're going to fall. Not if you hold my legs, Eris said, standing on his tiptoes. Okay, so what were we talking about before Marin had a brain blank? You? Noah mumbled, still tracing lines into the floor, chin resting on his fist. You don't make any sense. Eris blew a raspberry. Well, neither do you. He shot back, almost toppling off the chair. May wrapped her arms around his legs. I need to remind you that it was all of us with fluctuating ages. We saw you as a grown-up too. Eris's words snapped something inside of my mind. He was right. I did see all of them when I was hopped up on wacky gas. The mayor's son stood up. That still doesn't explain why you remember being 17 years old, he said, running a hand through his hair. Noah turned to Eris. You specifically remember Marin having a panic attack in your car. You did breathing exercises. He trailed off, twisting to the other boy. What are you doing? I said, I'm checking the ceiling, Eris said, swinging on the chair. Noah stepped in front of me, his eyes pinched around the edges. I have been enveloped in mysteries for the first 15 years of my life, and yet the mayor's son was an enigma I couldn't solve. I noticed his face was cast in shadow too, his hair swallowed by shadows fighting to envelop him completely. I reveled in his reddish curls still catching the light. He was still real, still standing in front of me, the shadow of the boy I was clinging on to. You're running away from that question again, Marin. Noah sounded bored. His expression was hard, paralyzing me to the spot. He cocked his head, feigning confusion. I could sense him delving inside my mind, searching for those missing puzzle pieces I didn't want to find. Why are you refusing to acknowledge it? Before I could speak, he took a step closer, his breath in my face. It felt real. Noah Presley was still stepping on my toes, just like he did when we were kids. I missed the mischief in his eyes, the Noah I had imagined before my memories were pillaged. This Noah was different. Hollow eyes and, and twisted lips that knew something I didn't, which didn't make sense because he was my subconscious. My subconscious wasn't supposed to know more than me. Do you trust me? He murmured. No, I didn't trust the boy who was supposed to be a memory, a footprint left in sand. He wasn't supposed to have his own questions that I was avoiding. Yes? Noah smirked, the old him slowly bleeding back into his expression. He knew I didn't trust him, and I think he was enjoying it. I think you did this, he said softly. Another step and he was directly in my face. You're the one who did this to all of us, and you're running away from your own guilt. Something sickly crept up in my throat. 
His words were my own silent accusation, what I was trying to suppress. When we tried to escape, I heard my own name over the intercom. The memory was vivid and clear. I couldn't have imagined it. Noah was standing on my toes, rocking back and forth on his heels. He was following my every thought, and just like his younger self, the mayor's son was picking at every detail. Noah Presley was a good detective. He raised his voice, his eyes never leaving mine, like he was waiting for a reaction. I think you're our puppeteer, he hummed. They took away your memories because you did this to us. Wait, what? Eris jumped off of the chair. You think Marin did this to herself? Noah shrugged. She shares the same name as the brat behind this. You saw the memory. That doesn't mean she kidnapped herself and put herself on strings. Both of you shut up. May hissed out excitedly, waving a scrap of paper. I think I found something. The boys exchanged glances before joining her, peering over May's shoulder. Eris tried to snatch it to read it himself, Noah elbowing him out of the way. I was already staring down at the scrunched-up letter in her hand. Dear Allie, May read out loud, following my gaze, skimming the letter. Allie, that's her mom, right? Eris whispered, leaning closer. Congratulations, idiot. You stated the obvious. Noah grumbled, shoving him. Ow! Eris shoved him back. Your elbows are pointy, moron. Anyway, May let out a hiss of exasperation, her gaze on the note. It says, The middle view four must continue. If not, people will be at risk. Good people, Allie. They will not survive a tantrum. I know you don't want to hurt them at the detriment of keeping your daughter safe. You know what Marin gets like when she does not get what she wants. Caravelle is on my back too, about payment. Your daughter will be safe. Marin has zero intention to hurt her. I can promise that. May's sharp intake of breath sent shivers down my spine. I hope this is the last time I will be contacting you. Yikes, Eris murmured. That sounds like a polite threat. Who the hell is Caraval? All the best, I read. A. May glanced at me. Do you know of an A? I opened my mouth to respond when something tickled the back of my nose and throat. It was... sweet. Eris's head snapped up, his nose flaring. Ah! He slammed his sleeve over his nose, his gaze flicking to the ceiling. The words were already slamming into me, but my mind was growing foggy, my thoughts disjointed. In a way, it was comforting to feel like we were back in Middleview solving mysteries. The boys' voice was fading in and out. I knew there was something wrong with the ceiling, he hissed. This place is extra security. Noah stepped back, covering his own nose and mouth. Set by your mother? May was grabbing my shoulders and shoving me backwards, her eyes wide. The drug won't affect us, she said in a breath, but it will knock you out. You need to get out of here, okay? Run! I managed two heavy strides towards the door, before my imaginary friends were bleeding away, and I was on my knees, my thoughts dancing. Time fluctuated. I was lying on my stomach, giggling to myself, imagining the mayor's son hanging upside down above me, when heavy footsteps strode into the room. Noah Presley looked funny upside down. When the man accompanying Dr. Delaney stamped on my hand, 
reality lurched to fruition, and Noah disappeared, bursting into twinkling stars, with each one going supernova. I was violently pulled to unsteady feet, a voice clanging around in my skull. Tie her up. Presently, I was still reeling from the memory. Dr. Delaney showed me the start of me. The creation lying under bright light, a little girl's fantasy brought to life. He showed me who I was before Marin's pretty doll. I didn't realize I was desperate for him to continue digging into those splinters of me until I stopped fighting his mental grip, allowing him to slip effortlessly inside my mind, cracking his way into my skull and dragging me into oblivion. Down, down, down. The physical pull jolted my brain, rivulets of warmth running from my nose. Noah was gone with the others, but if he was standing there, he would be thinking the exact same thing. The mayor's son wanted answers, and I had seen the start of them, the start of us. Go deeper. I imagined his voice in my ear, ice-cold breath tickling my face. Show me who I was. Kill her if you have to, the man ordered Dr. Delaney, pricking me back to consciousness. I was still tied to the chair, my head lolling, my mouth filled with blood. I want you to go deeper, look into everything, every crevice. Delaney cleared his throat, releasing pressure slightly. Sir, the girl is needed for this stage show. We can't kill her. Well, make her bleed, the voice ordered. Alice in Tibet breached contract and took more than one kid. I want you to make her understand that there is no way out and no home to go back to. Make her wish she was dead. No. The words slipped from my lips in a sob. I waited for May's hand to find mine, for Eris to tell me everything was going to be okay, and Noah to grumble something along the lines of, chill out. But they were gone. Dr. Delaney's presence had swallowed them up, bringing me back to reality, where I was alone. The pressure intensified. I could feel the buildup in my skull, a sharp pain rattling my head. Delaney seemed to know exactly how to pick through my mind carefully, ignoring insignificant memories, delving deeper into what had been suppressed. I was screaming, hunched over in the chair, when a memory hit me. This one, though, was like warm water washing over me. It was raining. I could feel raindrops splashing down on my face, a sharp gust of wind blowing my ponytail back. It was pitch black and I was scaling a clock tower attached to a harness, my hands gripping the wire for dear life. Digging my shoes into rough brick, I swallowed a shriek and tipped my head back, drinking in our little town. Nothing but speckled lights and towering buildings. Whoa. Straightening up, I yanked the wire. Long way down. Hey! I looked up, rain sliding down my cheeks. I could just about see a figure leaning over the edge, dark brown hair spiraling into the wind. He cupped his mouth, though I knew he was grinning. Didn't I tell you not to look down? Pull me up, I squeaked, swinging back and forth, testing my foothold. What? Tipping my head back, three figures stood on the edge, peering down at me. I said, pull me up. Drop you? Oh, okay then, have fun. I was falling then, plunging down, my breath catching in my throat. I managed to swing back, slamming my feet into brick. 
The world jolted and I let out a shuddery breath, throwing my head back. Moron, I gritted out. You love me, babe. Irrelevant. Dr. Delaney's voice pulled me from the memory, dragging me further down, straight into light. I blinked. No. Camera flashes. I was on stage facing a swath of students wearing graduation gowns. The others stood by my side, their heads bowed. To my right, a much older Noah wearing a suit. A graduation cap, sitting on overgrown reddish curls. Eris and May were next to him. May's hair was tied into a ponytail, enveloped in a silky white gown. Her beauty was already turning heads. Eris's curls were darker, a shorter and maturer style hiding under his cap. May reached for my hand, squeezing for dear life. I can't believe this is happening, she breathed. We were graduating. Stop smiling, heads down. There was a woman standing in front of us, pinched eyes, a scowl curled on her lips. Principal Clay. In her hands were our diplomas. She was holding them a little too tight. I didn't realize I was laughing until Eris nudged me, May placing a manicured hand over her mouth. The principal paced up and down our line, her heels click-clacking. What do you have to say for yourselves? I bowed my head, squeezing my fingers between the folds of my dress. When none of us responded, she made a scoffing noise. If it were up to me, none of your little gang would be graduating this year. Clay spat into her microphone. You kids have made a mockery of our school. She ignored the eruption of cheers from the crowd, her cheeks smoldering red. I don't think the four of you deserve to walk with the Chesterwick High Class of 2019. Noah stepped forward, a smile dancing on his mouth. But, he chuckled, and the three of us had to drag him back. She cleared her throat. Mr. Carrington, you may laugh now, but where exactly do you see yourself in five years' time? I knew it, May muttered in my ear. This isn't a celebration. She gestured to the rest of our confused class sitting in front of us. This is a humiliation. Noah shrugged, another camera flash blinding me. He flung his arms around us. I don't know, man, probably still screwing around with these idiots. His smile widened when she shot him a death glare. Or maybe I'll be dead. Clay nodded. Interesting, she told the audience. No career aspects? The crowd went silent. You are an embarrassment to our school in town, she spat, continuing to pace up and down our line. I could feel my cheeks heating up. When exactly do you plan on growing up? Noah's eyes darkened, his lips curling. He scoffed and took the mic, wrenching it from the woman's grasp when she tried to pull it back. He turned toward the senior class, flashing them a grin. Hey there, you all know me as... Mr. Carrington... The principal attempted to snatch the mic from him. If you do not give me that microphone. Relax, I just want to say something. He pulled it from her, dancing back. Please? He mocked into the mic, the crowd giggling. Principal Clay took a step back. Be quick. Aw, oh, hell, Eris said. He's going to screw us. Hey, with all due respect, Mrs. C, Noah said into the microphone. The sheriff department are corrupt pieces of garbage, and the majority of them are in our psycho elder's pocket. Noah winked, gesturing to the mayor himself sitting at the front. This one's for you, Mayor Caravelle. He spun to the red-faced teacher, his dark eyes challenging her to argue. 
Maybe if the police department actually did their jobs, a group of children wouldn't have to help them. Eris poked me with his diploma, his eyes wide. What did he drink? May pulled her graduation cap over her face. He told me he was nervous. That's nerves? Eris whisper shrieked. But what would I know, huh? Noah boomed into the mic. He turned back to the murmuring audience. Mayor Caravelle had disappeared from his seat. I'm just a stupid kid, he laughed. I don't know anything. Like, for example, how would I know that our... Eris yanked the boy back into line, violently this time. Shut up, he said under his breath. Do you want to get us killed? We all knew exactly what he was going to say. Principal Clay somehow kept a neutral expression. With her being among the corrupt, her cheeks had gone deathly pale. She took the mic back. Thank you, uh, Mr. Carrington, for that wonderfully imaginative speech, she said through a sharp breath. I do not know how you managed to stay in classes while turning our town into your own personal playground, but you did. She handed me my diploma. Her smile gritted. Congratulations. The applause didn't last long. When I was admiring my diploma, the crowd of students parted down the middle, the town sheriff stepping onto the stage. Eris stumbled back and was quickly grabbed, his arms wrenched behind his back. Noah didn't even try to get away, holding out his wrists to be cuffed. I'm not even going to say it, kids. Sheriff Hammond was definitely enjoying his little speech. He cuffed me easily, his meaty hands wrapping around mine. His fingernails digging into my flesh told me he knew we were aware of his little side hustle. When he grabbed May, his fingers exploring her lower back, I had to bite back my shriek. You're all 18 now, which means you're responsible for the multiple misdemeanors over the years. As he cuffed each of us, Sheriff Hammond left his mark. His gritty fingernails stuck into my skin, lingering on May's back, prodding into Eris's spine and wrenching Noah by his hair. He was sending a message, and we were receiving it loud and clear. To the audience, the man was being gentle, maybe even kind. But I could hear the satisfaction in his voice when May let out a squeak. You may think it's cute, stealing from town elders and calling yourselves detectives. However, breaking and entering is still a crime, and I have no choice but to arrest you for as adults. The air seemed to still, the silence so thick I thought I was going to suffocate. I will pay their bail in advance, a woman's voice spoke up. When the four of us twisted around, a figure stood among the crowd. I couldn't see her face. Only a silk blue dress and heels. She stayed in the shadows, her voice a hypnotic murmur. I will also pay for anything they have stolen or broken. Deeper. Delaney's voice pulled the memory forward, like rewinding a tape. We were sitting in our local coffee shop. The place was empty, except an old couple sitting behind us. It was two weeks after we were bailed out, and the night after our senior graduation party. I was nervously sipping on iced tea, still wearing my dress from the night before. The coffee shop had an 80s theme, and I was still tipsy from the night before, dazedly staring at the lights above us. I was squeezed next to May while the boys sat across from us. Noah was eagerly slurping the dregs of his coke, bouncing in his chair. 
I remember being mesmerized by the contrast of his white shirt clashing with the neon lights bathing him. I liked how ethereal he looked, strands of dark red hair catching fire under neon scarlet lights. May stopped picking at her fries, shooting the boy a look. She was still wearing another girl's sweater, her hair hanging in her face. That's your third Coke, May rolled her eyes. You're going to blow chunks everywhere. Noah lifted his lips from a straw. I can't help it, he whispered, leaning over the table and lowering his voice. Some little rich brat wants to hire us as entertainers, and you guys aren't excited? Or prisoners, Eris muttered into his coffee. Leaning across the table, I poked that blue paint still splattering his cheek. Killjoy? I teased. Eris waved my hand away. I'm deadly serious. Noah leaned back with a sigh. Oh, here we go, Mr. Pessimistic strikes again. Does being British automatically suck all the fun out of you? Yes, Eris grumbled. Or maybe I have brains that are telling me that this is a bad idea and we should run? Like, now? He shot Noah a glare. How can you not be paranoid after your speech? Noah's smile crumpled. I was high? You were high? Eris hissed. You put a target on our heads, you damn idiot. I didn't mean. You never mean it. Eris choked. I thought we were going to run. He lifted his head, meeting my gaze. We said after graduation all the way back in sophomore year that we were going to start our own business away from this messed up crap. He leaned forward, lips curled. So why are we still here? Run? The new voice startled me, slicing through my dizzy, tipsy thoughts. The woman who bailed us out politely took a seat, introducing herself as Auntie. The woman's smile widened. Why would you run from such an opportunity? May cocked her head, confused. Auntie? Just Auntie. The woman steepled her fingers. I trust you've already severed connections with your family and friends. Your deaths will have to be public to the town, so that means you will no longer be able to visit your family. Marin expects a permanent position, and to start straight away. Something ice cold pricked down my spine. Behind me, the old woman sipping her coffee went still suddenly. Above us, the lights flickered. No, Eris stood up, the rest of us petrified to the spot. I don't know what game you're playing, but faking our deaths is messed up. Whatever this is, we're out. I caught Noah's mouth curving into a proud smile, despite his ashy cheeks. He's right, he added shakily. We're not interested. Auntie didn't lose her smile, inclining her head. In the corner of my eye, the old lady still wasn't moving. Narrow fingers wrapped around her cup. Marin has already named you, she said. You have been named after her own creation based on the childhood fantasy she could not live. The Middleview Four. Noah curled his lip. She can call us the Middleview Pricks, I don't care. He jumped up, grabbing his drink. We're going. You clearly drive the loopy train to what the hellville, so we're done here. He gestured for the rest of us to get up, and I tried, but I couldn't take my eyes off of the light. When it flickered suddenly, the old woman's head dropped behind me. Then so did the old man's. Behind the counter, the waitress flopped to the ground. Auntie stood up, grabbing hold of Noah's arm. She was strangely gentle, pulling up his sleeve. See? It's already happening. Marin has a special ability. She can puppeteer anything, living or dead. 
She can get into your skin, tangle herself inside you, and take control. Noah yanked away, but I noticed his eyes were drooping. His attempt at pulling his arm from her grasp failing, causing him to drop back into his seat. You're a psychopath. Auntie only smiled. Of course. Marin's strings are only just implanting themselves inside you. They won't be working yet. A creak behind me and the old woman's head lifted slowly. I could see something in the air, lines forcing her back into a sitting position. So, I had to go with the easier option. May's head dropped first, like a puppet severed from her strings. Noah followed, his eyes rolling into the back of his skull. Eris tipped into the window. Something chittered behind me, my vision blurring. The old woman was laughing, her removable mouth clashing together. I could see the back of her head, a hollow cavern tangled with blood-slicked strings. A hollow cavern tangled with blood-slicked strings. And I fell back, my head tipping, my thoughts dancing. I expected the memory to fade, but I stayed enveloped inside it, suffocating in darkness. When I jolted awake, I was strapped inside a moving car, choking on cotton candy-colored smoke. How could it be pink? I was in the front seat, my hands tied to the steering wheel. In front of me was the town lake and the car was picking up speed, rolling down rough gravel. We were deep inside the woods, trees smacking into the windows. When I twisted in my seat, struggling to lurch from my restraints, I glimpsed two figures through tunnel vision, May and Eris, their heads bowed. There was a shadow next to me, Noah, his face uncomfortably pressed against the window. With my hands tied to the wheel, I swung sideways in my seat, pressing myself against his limp body. He was so cold, but he had a normal pulse, knocked out. Eris and May, their heads bowed, jerking in their seats. Blinking rapidly, I thought I was seeing things. There was something crisscrossed in the air, covering the seats, wrapped around every inch of us like a spider's web. I screamed, my cry raw and painful in my throat, wrenching against blood-red lines entangling me. The car was picking up momentum, Noah's head slamming violently into the window. There was something holding me in place, already wrapped around my stomach. Strings. Turning my head to Noah, they were already knotted around his wrists, coiled around his throat, spiderwebbing across his face, creeping across Eris's legs and twining around his ankles, slipping inside May's mouth. Strings. As if these strings were already inside my head, my body jerked forwards on its own, my restrained feet slamming down on the brake. When the car came to a sudden halt, I forced my head up. My eyes were flickering, the world collapsing around me into a pinprick. There was a face at my door, a little girl wearing a mask. She pressed her hand against my window, lips moving under the mask. Mine. Her words jerked me back to the bed of a cold metal inside the workshop I was created, walls splattered with gore. I was no longer a real girl. I was Marin's doll. Deeper, Delaney, a voice cut through. Sinking deeper, I was aware of my physical body trembling in the chair. I could sense the man's fingers alleviate pressure slightly. Another memory. Bizarrely, this one was recent. I was inside the facility, hopped up on whatever funky drugs mom had forced into my bloodstream. In a town where I was born, 
lived a man who sailed the sea, and he told us of his life in the land of submarines. Opening my eyes, an older heiress came singing yellow submarine in my face. When I was high, my brain had cut out a lot. I didn't see the ugly stitches running across the top of his head, his right eye stitched shut. I never saw a patchwork skin or the bandage wrapped around his head, because my mind wanted to see what I was holding on to. Sorry, Eris Kane laughed. He was my age, early twenties, dressed in light blue hospital scrubs. Eris had grown up, a mature curve to his face, thick sandy hair hanging in darker eyes. Uh, I don't know the rest of the lyrics, but hey, at least you're awake now. How much time do we have? I twisted toward the door. 22-year-old Noah Presley. His shadow was in the doorway, reddish-brown hair slicked back. He wasn't smiling, lips set into a thin line, marks covering his arms. When he caught my gaze, his right eye was fake. Glass. I could see where Marin had scooped his eyes out, replacing them with glass. Behind him, I could make out flashing. Alarms. Next to Noah, another figure, a man wearing a mask, who I didn't see before, who cut himself from my memory. You've got two minutes, Dr. Delaney said. There's a fire door down the hallway. If you can get out of there, cut down the parking lot and go straight into the woods. I'll have someone waiting for you. She'll keep you safe. May nodded from her place next to me. She reached out to grab my hand. Like the boys, a pair of scissors was poking from her hospital scrub's pocket. I wanted to question the marks on her arms, the bloody stitches across her mouth, but I squeezed her hand tighter. Do you remember our sixth mystery? I nodded dizzily. We had to stay quiet to avoid being caught by, uh, uh, old lady Carlisle in the missing piano case. Exactly, she said. You need to stay quiet, okay? Just like back then. Eris pressed a finger to his lips. Don't say a word. Mouth shut, weirdo, Noah said, leaning against the door. Eris, Noah grumbled from the hallway. Little help? The guy nodded, joining Noah, the two of them speaking in low murmurs with Dr. Delaney. May squeezed my hand, tight enough for me to feel her biting nails. Do you remember? I knew what she was going to say. She was going to ask me about the string factory and what happened that night. Instead, her words were different, because what I heard had been altered. Eve, she whispered, shaking me. Do you remember who we are? Hey, we've got to go. Noah pulled a scalpel from his pocket. May helped me out of bed, my legs giving way. She pulled me into the hallway, and we were running for our lives. Until... Marin! I was pulled back. Not by strings but by arms that wrapped around me. Mom. The others kept going, disappearing into blinding red light, their voices reverberating back down the hallway. Eve! My mouth opened, but a needle was slipping into the flesh of my neck. Eve! Oh! Where are you? Their voices swam in and out, shouting a name I didn't understand. It wasn't me who retracted from the memory this time. It was Delaney. His fingers slipped a sharp intake of breath pulling me back to the present. I was aware blood was filling my mouth and staining my lips and chin. I couldn't move my head, my eyes glued shut. I've... I've got it. Delaney's voice was shaking. He was lying. I never saw the rest of the car ride memory. Allison, 
Allison Tibet took the kid. The response was robotic. Very well. Leave her. The two left and I let my head hang, my thoughts pulling me back into slumber. The others were gone. When I tried to force my mind to bring them back, there was nothing. I talked to them out loud, just like they said. Still nothing. I was alone. Marin, sweetie, are you okay? The shrill squeak was not my mother. When I pried my eyes open, a woman in her late thirties was standing over me. She untied me and tended to my nose, forcing bottled water down my throat. But I could barely understand her. There were only two things on my mind. The woman claimed she was helping my mother, and I nodded along dizzily, climbing into the front of her car. I trusted the woman until I saw the gun in her glove compartment. I know you're not supposed to jump out of a moving car, but somehow I managed it. I landed on concrete, probably giving myself a concussion, but I didn't care. I don't care that I was almost kidnapped. I don't care that my mother is unsurprisingly also a piece of garbage. I'm terrified of every passing car, every stranger I pass. I don't even care that I'm homeless, and I'm most definitely being tracked down. My name is not Marin, it's Eve, and I think my friends are still alive. But if they are, why can't I see them anymore? They are still alive, right? And that's it. That's the end of the story. I really hope you enjoyed it. This series that Trash Tia has been writing has been phenomenal. And I hope that you'll let her know in the comments below or wherever you are listening to this. I would love to hear your feedback on it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the video. And I'll also share that with her uh, so she can get pumped up and, and excited for this series. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love it if you'd like the video. Uh, maybe subscribe. You know, subscribing is cool for people like me. There is a Discord you can come join. Um, if you'd like to do more than that, though, because I know there are some people out there who do, there is a Patreon that you can uh, join to support the channel, to support the podcast, and uh, just help make it go forward. Um, there's some goodies in there, you know, pod other podcasts and stuff like that. But anyway, with all that said, I really appreciate you for being here, and I hope that I'll see you in the next one. Take care.